Hey. And, uh, and I hear that and I get you. And you know, if you're in a good mood today, that's okay. I'm in a good mood today too. That's not really what this is about. But you know, as I was also thinking about it, the truth is, certainly I have been guilty of this myself, is that oftentimes we appear in a good mood or joyful, but that's not really what's going on. And so hope is one of those things that is oftentimes under the surface. We can't just look at a person and know what's really going on in this case. So in some ways, in some ways the message today is not really about what we see, but about what we don't see, which is probably true a lot of the times, but especially today. But knowing me as you do, and being Advent season, a season of lights, and getting together as friends and food, I wanted to make sure to bring it down a little bit, just to keep the balance. And so, you know, we're looking at our year in review. It's been a year of record inflation. There's been reports that U.S. gun deaths are at their highest in decades. Uh, the climate is still being destroyed in various and multiple ways. Fascism is constantly uprising, or most recently through Kanye West. There are protests across the globe, both in the U.S. and other elsewhere, that also come from and also create more death. And wars are not only continuing in places like Syria, but being added to in places like the Ukraine. Seems like a long time, but that was this year. And then to top off the end of the year, at least for me, and I know Emily probably as well, we were served a completely morally and ethically bankrupt World Cup, which I am preferring to just ignore as much as possible. Though I did also know the US was knocked out, so can't avoid it completely. We find ourselves, if we, we could of course spend a whole day just talking about those things, and breaking down the fact that we are still living in a world that is grasping for power in all of its various ways. And so today, we have not lit our second candle yet, even though it's the second week. We're still going to take some time, since we didn't officially do it last week, to talk about our first candle and to talk about hope. But hopefully, <laughs> that will lead us to our second candle by the end of this. So let's read our gospel passage today, and if you are willing and able, I would invite you to stand with me as we read it. It comes from Matthew chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord make his paths straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore, bear fruit worthy of repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. 
Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who is coming after me is more powerful than I, and I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. (laughs) And continuing with our non-theme of pleasant and hopeful things, you'll notice that this passage doesn't use the word hope. And yet, that's what it's all about. But one thing that I really notice is that this passage is extremely Jewish. <laughs> like, really Jewish. Like, up there, top ten, I'm, I would bet, if you actually broke it down. We get the geography. We have the wilderness of Judea. We have Jerusalem. And we are, best of all, in the River Jordan. All places we're familiar with and have heard about many times. We know that John is baptizing, which is a ritual cleansing that I always thought was so weird because it's like, well, Jesus hasn't died on the cross yet. Why are people being baptized? But it's really a deeply Jewish thing that still happens to this day and that the uh, Jews will bathe and purify themselves in, I believe it's called a, a mikvah, which has to be either a source of flowing water or connected to a source of flowing water. So a river is a great place to do that. And in fact, converting to Judaism even today still involves a baptism. On top of that, we have some of the sects of the day. We have the Pharisees, who we're very familiar with. More or less, we consider them the religious power of the day, though that's a little reductive. And the Sadducees, who would be the political power of the day among the Jews, though again, a little reductive. But if that wasn't Jewish enough for you, we bust out the prophet Isaiah. (laughs) That's a big one. Major prophet. And then in case that wasn't Jewish enough for you, John brings up Abraham, where it all started. This passage is thoroughly, thoroughly Jewish. But it doesn't include the word hope. It seems to be missing. In the Old Testament, or at least in the concordance that I have at my house, there are 14 words that can be translated, that we translate in English, to be hope. We're not going to talk about all 14 of them today, but we'll do a few just for fun. Uh, What I really liked was that there are several words that are specific to certain books of the Bible. Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, Psalms all have specific words for hope that are only used in those books, as well as Micah and Zechariah. And some of them do get translated in odd ways, kind of showing how English just can't always capture, especially these older languages. Uh, In Zechariah, specific to it, we have mabat, which also means trust. It's not too far off. Or in Ecclesiastes, we get bitachon, which also means confidence. Not too bad. My favorite, as it turned out, is one called haka, which only gets translated as hope once, maybe twice, 
and the rest of the time gets translated as an ambush. <laughs> Seems like a strange way to talk about hope, someone lying in wait, hoping to ambush or be ambushed. But they are hope nonetheless. And the other most typical translation, uh, the other most typical word we translate is yachal, yachal, which I'm not going to say well. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I'm really out of my Hebrew. Um, but that one refers more to hope as being in the future. It's something that we are, are waiting for. And we're always waiting for something when it comes to hope. But it's, it's a little different, and hopefully we can understand why. And there's one other word that's used about as much as yashal in the Old Testament, and that is tikwa. And tikwa also thoroughly is translated and means hope. But tikwa, the first time it's used, is in Joshua, when the spies enter the land, and they go, and they're helped by Rahab. And they tell her to put, so that she'll be spared when they invade the land, they tell her to put a scarlet tikwa in her window. And tikwa, in that verse, is translated as a cord. But everywhere else, it's translated as hope. And there's something kind of beautiful about that. I mean, we don't have a scarlet candle. They're definitely purple and pink. But um, imagine if one of the things we did during this time of Advent was we all put a scarlet tikwa in our windows. I don't know. Somehow to signify something that's happening, the hope that we have. The, the tikwa, the hope that Rahab was given, was, yes, she was waiting for a future event that would happen, but it was a promise that was made in the present, and it was instruction given to her in the present, waiting for it to then be fulfilled. And so we come back to the river, where it says to me a lot about how respected John really was as John the Baptist, because people from all around are coming to see him, from all over the country. In fact, uh, we won't get into it really weirdly, but Jesus gets baptized, and his some of his disciples are also there. Weirdly, his disciples are like 70 miles from home, and so people are like, why were the disciples so far away from where they live? But it's just what we get. But so many people are coming, and even Pharisees and Sadducees treat John and see him as enough of a prophet that they too want to partake in his ministry. Does John call them out? Yes. Does he call them for what they are and tell them that they've missed the point of the symbolic baptism for the repentance they should actually be doing? He does. And it's not in the scripture one way or another. I have to admit that. But I don't see... John as refusing them. I see him rebuking them, but not refusing them. Because John also understands that whether he baptizes these Pharisees and Sadducees or not, whether they get it or not, the baptism is only symbolic. And John himself says that one will come after him who will baptize with fire and the Holy Spirit. The hope that we speak of in this Advent season is the knowledge that God is working in our world already. And that this hope works in tandem very much with faith. 
If, as an armchair theologian, I might say that faith is our belief in God, hope is our belief that God is still working in our world today. I think we can all think of someone who would say they believe in God, but doesn't seem to act as though they think God still cares about us. To believe in a God that's not doing anything is certainly an incomplete view of our salvation. It started as a hope that was given to the Israelites, telling them that a king would be given to them who would restore Israel to its glory, who would kick out all of their oppressors and give them bountiful blessings and crops. Not the hope that we're waiting for in the future, the hope that is coming. This hope that we talk about, this tikwa, it's interesting because it's not produced in us or by us. It is a gift from God. But it is integral to our identity because of the Advent candles that we will light, Hope is the only one that is not a fruit of the Spirit. Peace, joy, love are all things that are produced from our faith and our hope. As Emily actually read at the beginning of today, part of her reading was to say that hope carries us through every week of Advent. Putting on hope is foundational for this season, and that could not be more true. When we look at some of the gifts of the Spirit, to have our hope that what has been promised will be fulfilled, it allows us to have patience because it's already here. In our hope, knowing that that promise will be, it allows us to be gentle and kind with one another because we also know that we will be spared. It's from this hope that we can thus be joyful, but also not necessarily happy. Hope is not always about just being uplifting or even good, as we might say. It's oftentimes found even when things are bad, and especially in the Psalms. In Psalm 9, But the needy will not always be forgotten, nor the hope of the afflicted ever perish. I don't know about you, but if I'm afflicted, I'm not feeling great. Psalm 33, A horse is a vain hope for deliverance, Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. And one more, Psalm 62. How long will you assault a man? Would all of you throw him down, this leaning wall, this tottering fence? They fully intend to topple him from his lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. It has even been said that you cannot know hope unless you have found out just how like despair hope is. And that a life without problems might actually be more hopeless than one that is always verging on this despair. The last line of Psalm 62 there reminds us again that our faith is a gift from God, and so too is our hope. And it's a little 
frustrating, even during this time of Advent, because we want to have something actionable that we can say, how can I build this hope? How can I do more with this hope? But being a gift from God, there's not a lot I can tell you other than to pray and to read your Bible. But I will say this, as we reflect on this past year, as I've asked you to reflect on it for its poorness and the bad things that happened, also look back on it And whether than asking yourself if 2022 was a good year or a bad year, ask yourself if God kept his promises to you. If God has provided for you, for your family, has provided for us as a church and for each other, the realization that it is us who need to stop for a moment to consider and see how God has not changed despite what happens changing around us. That the hope that God has provided to us is still as valid as ever. We celebrate Advent every year in mostly the same ways. We have the candles, we probably have a manger scene, we bring out the colors, we have our lovely wall hangings that I personally enjoy quite a bit. But that's not to our detriment because our hope can be or is, or should be, as unchanging as our God. The things that happen in this world, whatever they may be, do not change this hope that we have. This manger and these candles, well, we don't have a manger specifically, but they're a reminder of the hope that we have been promised that we also know has been fulfilled. It is not just a promise that we expect, like a Christmas present that we want, or that we hope that 2023 will be better, but to say that we have promises that we can stand on, and yes, we still wait for them, but we wait for them to be fulfilled rather than waiting to see what will happen. And from this hope of the promise that will be, knowing that we need not even strive to complete it, that God will do so, we can also find another gift of the Spirit, peace. Our second candle that we'll light when the children return, that is also promised to us in this Advent season. Peace is the part of us that says, be still and know that I am God. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you so much that we can gather together here, that we can celebrate a new Christian year, that we can come together in this time of Advent to celebrate the culmination of your promises, Lord. Help us, Lord, to speak words of hope to one another and to ourselves. Help us, Lord, to be human even in this inhuman age. And help us, Lord, to guard the image of humanity, for we know that it is the image of God. Amen.